Welcome to Real Everyday People, an Eladio Nino podcast. You either die the hero or see yourself become the villain. See too many dark nights and light the way you're living. They got me living. Yo, yo, what's up, everybody? This is the El Nino podcast. I'm Eladio Nino, and this is Real Everyday People. I'd like to say welcome to everybody, whether you're a first timer or if you've been watching uh, episode one through seven. Thank you for all your love, all your support, all your sharing, all your subscribing, because it's working. We grown, we getting bigger, we getting better. So thank you. I appreciate you. And let's keep on moving forward in every way for sure. And uh, before we get the show started, man, definitely want to uh, send a big shout out to Amanda at Mr. K's. Uh, Keith and, and Kevin Sabuda, much love to you brothers and especially uh, Donna Edie. You know, she got the rich organization out there reaching out to the community, finding re- resources to help people. We need more people like her in this world, man. But, uh, you know, so today it's uh, episode seven. Got my little cuz here, little Brianna Wittes. What's up, y'all? She definitely a rock star. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? She remind me of Avril Lavigne a little bit, you know? <laughs> really? She live, though, for sure, man. So, uh, Brianna, tell, tell tell everybody a little bit about yourself, where you from, you know, represent for the fam. Okay, so I'm Brianna Wittes. Um, I'm from E-Course. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> hey, it be like that. It's real everyday people. You think this shit easy till you get in front of the camera. You I know. Get... I'm like, wait, what do I say? What have I been through? It's oh all good, God. baby. We're going to roll with you. Don't even worry about it. So, uh, you from E-Course? From E-Course. Um, I don't know what to say. I mean, <laughs> I'm sorry. Nah, it's cool, man. It happened to the best of us. You know, so where'd you go to school at? You know what I'm saying? Tell us a little bit about your parents, stuff like that. Um, I, I know. So you grew up at E-Course. What school did you go to? I went to E-Course schools all my life, and I graduated from there as well. Okay, big up. So to I'm that. so cool with everybody in E-Course. Shout out to the people that I graduated with because they my fam. Okay. <laughs> I'm related to Turtle. Shannon Wittes, Turtle. Oh, definitely. She infamous. <laughs> E-Course celebrity. <laughs> but, um, We yeah. having fun up in here for yeah. sure. <laughs> I was raised by my dad. Um, he was a single parent, you know. I had my family, like my dad's side there with me. I had a look. I had my mom's side there too, you know. I just. Okay. So where was your mom from? She's from Tennessee, but um, she, you know, migrated to uh, Lincoln Park and then made her way to Detroit, met my dad, you know. Okay. They got the rapping and that's how it happened, (laughs) Basically. And then there's me. Okay, then. (laughs) That's dope. So, um, So what was it like, like growing up with your dad? Like what kind of dad did you have? Okay, so it was nice growing up with my dad, but it was it was just harder when it came to emotional support when I didn't have my mom there as much. But, you know, it was it was good. He was just struggling because he was a single father. So he got as much help as he could with um, my aunties, my uncles, cousins, you know, just whoever could help him the best. You know, it's crazy because a lot of times we hear stories about single moms raising raising two yeah. three kids on their own. But <laughs> when we're talking about your story, we're talking about a single dad raising three kids. Yep. That was my dad. I didn't know. <clears throat> I, I didn't grow up with my mom. I grew up with my aunties. OK, so um, what was the situation with your mother? Um, so she was um, she was a drug addict. So I, she wasn't really in my life a lot. 
So that was. No, I can't imagine what that what that would you know feel like to have a mother that was a drug addict. It was hard. It was hard, especially when it came to like when I needed her the most. You know, situations like being bullied and in school being bullied and stuff like that and you know mm -hmm. growing through puberty without her it was hard it really was no I, I can't imagine um you know not having like a female figure there to be able to share those stories with those experiences with you know and i don't know how comfortable or uncomfortable it would be for a father you know to have that conversation with his daughter um you know unfortunately you know i had spent half my life in prison so i didn't get to raise my daughter so i never got the experience of having them conversations with her either but um you know i salute your pops man you know for mm -hmm. doing his best with what he could you know what i mean and um i think that um you know, I just, I hope that, like, like, who were the female figures that you had to look up to? So I had my father's sisters. I had Shannon Wittes and Anna Wittes. I had them. Those are my aunties. Thank God for them. They were like a blessing to be there. And I had um, my mom's sisters. I know my mom wasn't there as much, but I had her sisters with me. My Aunt Amber, my Aunt uh, Tiffany, and my Aunt Brittany lived in the Upper Peninsula, so she wasn't there as much, but she was as much as she possibly could be. But it was hard. Like, honestly, my dad is a, I don't know, he's kind of hard to talk to because he's just like an aggressive person and he's sometimes can be judgmental in certain situations. So it's kind of hard to talk to somebody like that, but he was still there for me whenever I did talk to him. So, I mean, I was, I had support, but. That's dope. That's good. And you're very fortunate to have that, you yes, know, even very. with your situation, you know, being raised, not having much, you know, growing up struggling, you know, at least you did have some type of support system because I've heard so many stories, you know, of people just not having anybody to turn to, anybody to turn to for help, for advice, for right. shelter, for food, for anything, you know, and, um, you know, a lot of them people, you know, the person they reach to the most when they didn't have nobody else is they reach to God. They learn how to pray. They learn how to build a relationship with God, you know, when you get that low. But, you know, thankfully, you know, God bless you with some angels to help guide you on your journey. Mm -hmm. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So, uh, you know, much love to that. You know what I mean? And um, so so what was your relationship? Now, I, I remember before you mentioned that your mother was always in and out of your life due to her drug. And what drug was she addicted to? She was addicted to um heroin. Wow. <clears throat> That's sad, man. Yeah, it was it's really sad. And I lost her to that too. So it's just it's hard. And I just really advise people not to do drugs. And I know sometimes people be going through stuff, but it really does like it's like a mental disorder basically, because it's it's an addiction after you try it, you know? So I just like basically try to tell people like give them the best advice not to do stuff like that when they going through hard times. Like, you know, try to talk to a therapist or something, your friends, try to do everything you can before you just go straight to like that environment. I know you had mentioned your mother and you were describing your mother a little bit and you talked about how good of a person she is, you know, but getting caught up in that web of addiction, you know, just turned her, you know, into a bad person due to the fact that she was an, an addict. When you become a drug addict, you become a slave to the drug and you no longer are who you are or who you were supposed to be, you know, because you live your life serving, serving the addiction. 
And, uh, you know, I see a lot of it today and more now, more so now than ever. You know, we're talking about uh, pill addiction, heroin addiction, crack Alcohol, addiction, alcoholism. Everything. Absolutely. And all the all these addictions contribute to so many problems that are impacting communities and, and society as a whole. You know what I mean? Yes. So, um you know, we got to work on 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 healing. We got to work on getting sober and uh, and just being being better at at, at, um, at at every on every level, mentally, emotionally, spiritually, physically, and, um, and and pray for our loved ones who are in that struggle because they lose themselves. You know, once you become a drug addict, and it affects family. Really, it affects everybody that you're, you know your family, your friends, everybody that's around you, it really affects them because it's like we don't want to have to deal with that because it's hard to think about, you know, you might lose somebody to that and stuff like that. So it's it's hard. So, you know, and it's crazy because like they're young now, like, you know, I see a lot of young drug addicts yes. and it's like, is you know, what is it that's drawing people to drug addicts? Like, is it problems? Is it stress? Is it anger? Is it depression? Like whatever it is, it's like we got so many layers of issues that we dealing with in society that, you know, like we need to start peeling up these scabs and start opening up these wounds and start and start getting to the root of our issues and our problems because people keep covering up layers and and and, and decades and centuries of, of pain and grief and stress and frustration and struggle and hate and anger and and they're just continuously making bad decisions and then it becomes and then it becomes a, a, a cages you know it becomes, becomes part a of a cycle thing yep absolutely and, and it's just unfortunate because it affects so many people in so many different ways especially emotionally and mentally and and you said you lost your mother to 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 her drug yes habit. i did so i just wanted to come on here and promote this because i know it's a thing and it, i know it's hard it's really hard for people like that that have like a mentality like that to just go and do what they feel is best like oh i'm feeling like this today so i'm just gonna go get high because you know it takes the pain away but so i know it's hard for them but i just i don't know i just wish there was a way that we could help other people to try to like you know so you said she did go for help though right you said she, she was at a recovery place um she had even started taking with suboxone strips you said to yes. help her with the heroin like what was it working for her was it working against her like have a full understanding of what suboxone is but what what i've been told is that you know heroin addicts use suboxone strips to wing them to off wing them, yeah. yeah off off the heroin but i know drug addicts who take suboxone strips just and to, they do just that to, to get, get high, high off of that yeah you know so it's like are we combating a drug with a drug or like what's really going on because if you're you're, you're utilizing suboxone for heroin addicts to get off heroin but people are still getting high off suboxone i feel like we're beating our own purpose basically. we're just giving them a, a good high for a cheaper price basically yeah that's what i always thought that's how i looked at it but yeah, my mom, ever since I was, uh, I'm going to say like six years old, her and my dad broke up and it was downhill from there. She was already starting to go downhill like from before they broke up. So that's why they broke up. Part of the reason. And um, she's been in and out of rehab centers since then. She's been in and out of my life trying to like 
be there for me and but she didn't want to be around me and my sister and my brother in that state so like she she wouldn't come around if she was all messed up you know what i mean like so so she got high a lot so she stayed away a lot yeah but then she would come back whenever she would be in uh rehab sometimes it would be you know a few weeks sometimes it'd be a few months and sometimes it'd be a year up to two years you know depending on how how bad she wanted it to be over with and she honestly wasn't that type of person she's a really good person with bad intentions like she she was a really good person and anybody that knows her will tell you that so everybody just basically would look at her and down her because of her habits but it wasn't always about her habits like even turtle will tell you she was close with my mom she knew you know like people know that she was such a she's such a high spirited person so it's not always about like drug addicts they just want to get high this and that like no sometimes they're really good people and they want to do better for you they want to do better for themselves for their family and that was my mom she tried her hardest like over it's been a a few times that she's tried to better herself but you even mentioned that she had uh, went to prison before too right yeah she was she was in prison for three years three and a half years Okay. Uh, and what remember. was that like for you? Um, so my state of mind was, okay, my mom's in prison at the time I was younger. So I'm like, she's healthy. Like she's gotta be like, you know, she can't be doing drugs in prison, but, um, I don't know. I just, basically thought she was doing good so i would write her back when she would write me i would um send her pictures back when she would send me stamps she would send me stamps that's how bad she wanted wow she would send me stamps yeah. to yeah. send her stuff I, back. i know it i know that very well so yeah it was i th- i thought it was better when she was in prison because i knew it was three years and she was sober so and and you know what's crazy is that you know when i was prison i knew a lot of i wouldn't when i was in prison I knew a lot of guys who, you know, were drug addicts and their families actually um, supported them very much in prison financially with visits. And they just felt better in general, knowing that their loved one was in prison because they felt like they were they were recovering, that they were getting the help they need, that they were sobering up. But, you know, in all actuality, a drug addict's going to, you know, find a way to get high. And, you know, you know, drugs, they make their way in prison as well. So that's I, I watch prison shows now, now that I'm older. and I'm like, wow, people really can get high in prison. But back then, I didn't know that. So I just thought she was sober. You know, who knows that she might have. But she came out and she was looking healthier than I've ever seen in my entire life. She, like she was thicker, had thicker skin, everything. So. And you would think that somebody, after spending three years of their life in prison, um, they would do a lot of growing, a lot of maturing, sobering up, you know, and you would be like, why would a person come home after being healthy and being sober and want to just get back into that? And a big part of that is coming back to prison and going back to the same neighborhood, the same crowd, the same people doing the same things that you was doing three years prior, mm-hmm. you know? So, you know, people have to hold themselves accountable about the, the crowd that they keep around and, and the activities that they're involved in, because like they say, birds of a feather flock together. Yep, that's exactly true, too. (laughs) 
So, you know, she's been sharing a little bit about her life and, you know, where she came up and what her life was like being raised by a single dad. She also had a mother, um, you know, that she loved very much. But unfortunately, she had, you know, a drug addiction. So she was in and out of Brianna's life uh, off and on. And, uh, you know, eventually she ended up passing away from using drugs. So, um, you know, she's been sharing her story with us, you know, in hopes of being able to connect with other people and, you know, just hoping that, um, you know, those who can relate to her um, will be able to find some peace in their lives. And and for those who have never experienced, you know, her struggles, that it opens up your mind and heart, you know, to have compassion for people who are going through these types of situations. So um, so after, you know, being raised by your dad, you know, you're growing up now, you're a teenager um, at 17 years old. You decided that you want to move out on your own. huh? Yeah, I moved out when I was 17. I was uh, I was struggling at home to, like, get along with my dad and his girlfriend at the time, especially his girlfriend, which made me not really get along with my dad at the time. So, um, yeah, I moved out and I'm actually downgraded. I, I literally moved out from a house that had everything like roof over my head, all that stuff. I moved into like a foreclosed, basically an abandoned house. And I only had electricity at the time. I only, uh, I didn't have heat gas. I didn't have, uh, water. I had to take showers at other people's houses. It was hard, but I did That's it. Rough. I came up. I came up. <laughs> prison sound good compared to that. <laughs> right. you know I mean? I'd rather be in prison. Man, I mean, so like, what was that like? Like to be the age of 17 years old, um, you know, moving out on your own, you know, uh, being stressed out, you know, the struggles that you had already been through, bumping heads with your dad, bumping heads with your girlfriend. Um, you know, just wanting to break away, feel liberated, get out on your own, explore something new or just get away from your problems, period. And then you put yourself in a worse situation because you were trying to get away from your current situation. So, uh, like, what was it like living in an, in an abandoned house? Like, that's a story in <laughs> itself. I want to know what that's like. It was hard. I mean, I couldn't cook because I have gas, none of that stuff. So I literally just like we would have frozen meals in the freezer, you know, just refrigerator foods that we can like heat up in the microwave so that was pretty irritating and rough and um and how long did you stay there for i stayed there for about eight months <sighs> i stayed there until um what was it i stayed there until december when it got really cold and i didn't have no heat so it it just like i couldn't take it no more i was staying there with my girlfriend at the time um and we just we basically we didn't even have jobs we were still in high school well, she was still in Man, high school. That's crazy. Yeah. So I basically was just paying the electric bill off of babysitting money because I babysat. Wow. <laughs> I mean, you know, you survived the best way you knew how, man. Uh, like, what did your what did your dad think? Like, did he know where you were living or what your situation was like? Or like, you know, I mean, did he reach out to you, try to help you or just were you just like, you know what? I'm on my own. I'm living my best life or, uh, well, you know, he knew everything. You know, he knew it all. But I didn't really like. I don't know. I talk about it much when I went over there because I didn't want to like, like I did bump heads with him, but I didn't want to just try to make him feel bad about it. You know, I didn't want him to be like, damn, well, why you, you know, it was just part of your growth, your personal growth. Yeah. And I basically came up from there. So I, it's just, you know, I don't know. We came up from ramen noodles. 
In the microwave. I can relate. Lots of Raymond noodles. I just bought some yesterday. They talking about shutting us down on Wednesday. Oh, Lord. Got to go get the toilet paper and everything. Oh, gosh, dude. No. (sighs) You know, we need Everybody need a deep breath for this one. You hear me? So so you said you moved in with your girlfriend. Yeah, I moved in with my girlfriend at the time. Okay. So so you're gay then? Yes, I am. All right. So, um, like, how did that come about? Like, how old were you uh, when you realized that, you know, you had a certain sexual preference or something like that? So I don't really have much of a story because I didn't really have a preference until I started dating girls, really. Like, I, I really just started dating her. She was my first relationship. She was like, I didn't really like date nobody or like I had crushes in middle school on boys like you know but I never like dated no boy or none of that stuff for real okay so but yeah she was my first so you wasn't as promiscuous no I wasn't I wasn't a normal teenager like my sister was she was the sneaky one and she was the one that was all caught up in boys and stuff like that like I never really had a real relationship until I was 15 and it was with my girlfriend of seven years wow Seven years, that's a long time. Yeah, we were together that long. Yeah. Like at any point in time in your relationship, like did you ever feel like like you wanted something different or like you wanted to try being like with a man or you know, or did were you fine with it? And how did your family feel about it? Like like when when you had to break that to the family or they started, you know, seeing a change in you or um so I never like during our relationship, I never really like I didn't think about nobody else because she was my first love. She was my first everything. So okay. like I was just really stuck on her like we were like this. So I didn't really have no preferences for anybody else or any other, you know, like no boys or anything like yeah, that. OK, but my family, um, they're actually pretty supportive for the most part. It's just. um. I kind of bumped heads like secret animosity with my dad when he first found out. Okay. And that was kind of rough because every time I would get in trouble, you know, teenagers getting in trouble for stupid stuff. Every time I would get in trouble, I would feel his animosity more than how my little, like my little brother and my older sister would get in trouble for things. It would be more aggressive. So you felt like there was some more underlying emotions, issues that he had against you. So anytime there was an issue with you guys, like it was, it was raised up due to the fact that he had, you felt like he had some type of animosity towards your situation. Yes, for sure. I, I definitely feel like he did because my dad definitely, he was one of the traditional type. Like he grew, he grew up traditional and like you know like female and male perspective like that's supposed to be a relationship but he never really like told me anything i could just feel it you know like he i feel like he didn't want to basically tell me like i don't agree with this but i could feel it you know what i mean through emotion and stuff so i remember that you asked also mentioned something about um, you already felt like there was a little bit of tension due to the fact that, you know, you revealed that you were with women now that you preferred women. And then, um, you know, also her race, you know, her being black yeah. and you felt like 
by, because not only do I like women, but I'm, I like black women. And so that's another underlying issue that, um, you know, a lot of older, older generational people, you know, hold on to their old belief systems. And sometimes it can become a conflict of interest, you know, with today's generation. But, yes, you know, the way I see things is, you know, this this generation um, they're breaking down all the barriers. They're building all the bridges. Like everybody's being who they want to be. And uh, you know, I salute everybody who lives daily with love and liberation in the, in their heart. You know what I'm saying? Because they live freely and they love to live and they live to love. You know what I'm saying? So that's that's really that's beautiful to me. That's growth. To, that's evolution. But you it's know? not to everybody else. Like yeah. it's beautiful. Yeah, yeah. My dad. He he was. He's okay with me now because I. I also like I have a um a girlfriend, a different girlfriend, and she's also um African American. Okay. But my dad is completely okay with it now. Like he I mean, I was in a relationship with my last girlfriend for seven years. He kinda didn't have a choice. So mm. he got used to it and you know, they him and my last girlfriend would bump heads a lot because of how we came up together and how my dad basically like felt like that. Okay. But now now, my my family honestly love my girlfriend, currently girlfriend. Like they love her. Nay, what's up with you? <laughs> what's up, baby? No, that's dope though. And and I met Nay, and she's awesome. Good people. She got a live spirit just like you. You know. Yes, she does. Shout out to my cousin D. What's up? We're gonna get you over here in a minute. Talk to me. <laughs> we be doing TikToks together. <laughs> <laughs> no, nah, that's dope. So um, so after after so now you were in a seven-year relationship right and now you've been with nay for three years and uh how, how has that been going we're perfect this is like the best relationship ever i love our relationship it's so much better like i don't want to like down my last relationship but it's better because we're more like grown together and we grew together more and it's just you know being older it's different mm -hmm. so we actually have uh, similar personalities and we we just really vibe together okay so like my cousin my cousin d she a stud and this is a term that i learned from her because you know there's so many people in society who don't know the proper terminology how to address you know people who are gay and you know like before uh what is she a butch is she a dyke or was she a bull dyke is she a and, femme? And, and, and one time i said that to my cousin d and she snapped on me like, dog, you know what I'm saying? But I'm like, cuz, I don't know. I only know what society taught me. Right. And then she taught me about studs and femmies. You know what I'm saying? So once I learned it, started learning the language and what's acceptable, you know what I'm saying? So I was able to address people appropriately. But a lot of times, people who don't know and don't understand, you know, the language or, or you know, the titles, and, and they just sometimes say what most people would say, and, uh, you know, it could be very offensive. So, you know, let today be a lesson. If you don't know, now you know. Yeah, period. I don't get offended by none of that stuff, though. Honestly, I'm just that type of person. I don't really get offended. And I hope that, like, other people don't get offended. Like, it's it's evolving. It's it's just evolving. Oh, so. yeah. Um, and, and I seen it because, like, when I was in prison in, in these last probably five to six, seven years, like I seen the crowd of people that were coming in and all the youth that they was getting locked up. And, you know, a lot of people have this thing that, you know, you come to prison and, you know, some guys get turned out in prison, just like women get turned out in prison. Yep. But a lot of these guys, they were already coming in, you know, 
uh, gay. You know what I mean? Yeah. And and so it was like a new, it was like a new wave. Like they had their own population now. You know, within prison, just like they had the mentally ill, they had a mentally ill population. And um, you know, so I started to by watching the generations of people that were coming into prison, I was, I, that's how I kept up with how society was functioning and, and society's new moral system and, and moral values, you know what I mean? And I just started seeing that, you know, all the barriers were being break, breaking down, you know, I come today and, and people are just, they live so free spirited, man. And it's, uh, it's good, you know, to be able to live like that. It's okay. <laughs> Demira Harris? No, it's her name's Harris Oh, what's up, girl? <laughs> <laughs> no doubt about it. Thank you, thank you. Yeah, she got loudies. I yep. definitely do. I'm just a little nervous because I ain't never did this before. I ain't even gonna lie. But talk about your pages. Let them know if you want to see you. Oh, like oh, my yeah. Listen, definitely check yes, check her out. Y'all gotta follow me because you really will see some good stuff. Okay, I'm not, I'm not even gonna boost. Y'all, she can listen. You so, want to laugh? She got something for you to laugh too. Everything. Go ahead, tell them a little bit about what you do and I, why you do it. I do TikToks, and I'm really good at it because I have a lot of personality. So. Okay, so how did it start? Like, how were you when you first did it? Like, what platforms did you use? Um, how did you evolve with it? And tell us about the, you know, your top videos, yeah, all that good stuff. It definitely evolved because it started off in 2015. How old was I? I don't, how old am I right now? 24? I don't know. It started in 2015, and it was originally Dub Smash. Some of y'all know what Dub Smash is. And I started, I'm like, okay, people are lip syncing. That's, that's kind of funny, so I'm going to start doing it. And I started doing it because it was trendy and it was funny and people loved my videos. So basically, when I seen that my crowd loved my videos, I started doing it more and more and I was getting better and better. And then it turned into Vine and then it turned into Musical.ly and then it turned into TikTok. And now TikTok, I'm finally like a little bit up there. So I got I definitely got a following on TikTok. Y'all should follow me. My name is Brigoon, B-R-E-G-O-O-N. So you said you got a specific uh, TikTok that you had done that, that, that was very successful. Like, tell us about that, you know? So, oh my goodness. <laughs> so it was a video of my cat and... I heard on TikTok, like I've seen it on TikTok before. I've seen that if you scratch the bristles of a comb, it'll make your cat gag, like like he's <laughs> like he's about to throw up. So I'm like, that's not true. I've seen a whole bunch of videos. So I tried it, and my cat, my my other cat, he didn't gag. So I'm like, okay. So I tried it with my other cat, and he gagged. And I'm like, oh. <laughs> and that was the video. I I was scratching the bristles of a comb, and my cat gagged. And I got over three million views. I got over. 300,000 likes. I got over 5,000 followers from that video. Like, it really put me out there. That's dope. <laughs> so it's basically just my videos of other people that get me famous, I guess. Shout out to all the cats gagging out there. <laughs> but 
<laughs> but I felt bad. I felt bad afterwards because I'm like, I feel like a celebrity now. Like I'm getting all the wrath. Like in the comments, I had over eleven thousand comments of people, people saying, "Oh my gosh, you're making your cat have a seizure. You're doing this. It's bad for him." It's I'm like, oh my gosh. So you I? got a lot of negative feedback got, as well. Yes, but a lot of people were like, "Uh, not bad." Yup, <laughs> some of her stuff, man. Check her out. She definitely live. She would definitely entertain you. Definitely make you laugh. That's my favorite thing to do on TikTok. I love to make people laugh. Like, there's people that lip sync. There's people that, you know, do their own videos. I'm sometimes, but I like to lip sync some funny stuff. I'm gonna do me a dolphin dance TikTok. <laughs> I'm gonna be like, whoa, whoa, right. Whoa. Me and Eladio Me and Eladio Gonna do a TikTok together after this (laughs) (laughs) Shit I'm with it It Hey, But it's crazy though Because she was talking about all these platforms That she used So I'm like She's talking about Vine and Musical.ly And and, and that just shows you how the platforms And technology is evolving And how you have to keep keep up with the game You know if you want to stay in the race You got to evolve with the times and with the people And with the platforms, with the opportunities The situations, the positions and all that good stuff So if you a slacker in life You're going to lose in this race Yep. And I, I came up from nothing for real I didn't have no followers I didn't have no followers until I uh, got a TikTok. That's when everybody was like, oh, okay, I'm about to follow her. She's funny. So that's really the this app right here. This is the app that got me going for real. That's the only app I'm not lame on. I'm like, <laughs> for real, I ain't even going to boost. <laughs> it's the only app that I'm not lame. <laughs> that's dope, though, It shows man. my personality the most because, you know, it has all my videos. There's a bunch of videos of me just doing dumb stuff drinking dancing <laughs> partying so what like 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 what's the future look like for you like what is it that you want to do or accomplish like do you do this for fun or do you think that there's a future in it or some type of uh, possibility for growth or or you know there could be a future because i mean i do have the personality and the looks you know what i'm saying i got that but I also great cake, so I really just want to like own my own bakery and continue decorating. I like being a cake. cake decorator. I like cake, and I'm dope. I'm dope at it, by the way. I'm dope. Damn. So, so tell us that story. How'd you get into making cakes? So I started. You might be able to make our wedding cake next year. <laughs> so I started off working at Meyer, and I was a stocker at Meyer. If y'all don't know what Meyer is, if y'all in a different state, it's a convenience store. It's like Walmart. So I started off there in the bakery and I was uh, stocking shelves, basically, just like the stuff that came in frozen. I would stock that. But I would just really see all the cake decorators at the cake decorating table. I'm like infatuated with it. It was awesome. So I learned. I taught myself how to do it. I was a baker. I taught myself time I would be decorating with the icing bags, doing whatever I can. And I I basically taught myself. That's dope. That's sweet. Yeah. So how did, did you, were you able to evolve in there? Like, did you stay at Myers or did you like go somewhere else? And so I was from Meyer. I was doing some cakes from home, but I didn't really have all the proper equipment at home. So I was doing as long as it was simplistic enough. Mm-hmm. And then I eventually made my way into a real bakery owned by a family. So it was like, they talk, cause like at Meyer, everything comes in frozen and stuff. You know, we just have to, it's easier. But when I started working at uh, a real bakery, they, we had to make homemade frosting, homemade cake batter, 
homemade cookie dough, homemade bread, homemade everything. So I learned how to do all that. And that was dope because I like to bake. I like to cook. That's so. sweet. That's sweet. Can you give them some information? Uh, well, I know right now with everything going on, you know, it's kind of skeptical or oh, in the yeah. air. But, you know, at the end of the day, give them the information. You got the platform. Utilize this podcast. Let them know who you are, how to get a hold of you, what you do, because uh, she does good work. I've seen her portfolio. It's dope. Yep. So I don't really do a lot of cakes from home, but, you know, if you message me and hit me up and see if I could do it, I, I'll, I'll let you know or whatever. But um, you could just, you know, hit me up on Facebook. My name is Brianna Wittis on Facebook, B-R-I-A-N-N-A-W-I-D-D-I-S. And I'll let you know. I'll let her. Yeah, let no doubt know. about it. Show you some love for sure. <laughs> I got to get some more equipment so I could do it from home. Who was was it you that showed me a cake with a with a high heel shoe on it? No, I seen a high heel shoe on a cake. Might have been me because the last bakery that I worked at, they did three D art. It was yeah. crazy. They did so much stuff. So it might have been me. Okay, that's I've sweet. been through so much stuff. And you certified now too, right? Yeah, I'm a certified cake decorator. I had what? to take a test. Yeah. Yes, yes. got the credentials with the skill for I sure. I had to take a test, okay? I had to do that. <laughs> <laughs> That's dope. So we've definitely been having a blast with Brianna over here. She's been sharing her story, you know what I mean? How her little TikToks uh, shows she be doing. She decorates cakes. She does all kinds of stuff. Very vibrant soul she got, man. Very much so. Yeah. Y'all won't never forget it. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, you know, there was a question I want to ask that we had discussed during the interview and uh, I didn't have the time because we were talking about so much. But I just wanted to take advantage to ask you, like, um, like we had talked about motherhood one day and I had asked you, like, how do you feel, you know, about one day wanting to be a mother, you know, or give birth, something like that. So, like, so <laughs> do because I'm gay, obviously, I would I definitely want to have kids still. I would prefer to have my own, but I also want to adopt a kid who, who really needs help in the system. I've always been like that. I've always wanted to adopt a kid that really needs help. You know, there's so many of them. Oh, yeah, absolutely. You know, they have newborn babies that, you know, are looking for homes with mm -hmm. families. and. But know. even if it's like, because you can go through an adoption agency while the the woman that you're adopting from is still pregnant and i've always wanted to just go through an actual system because there's kids that are already there that need a home you know what i mean okay. and there's other people that'll go through the agency for a newborn kid there's not a lot of people that go through the system that want to adopt a kid that is in the foster care you know because a lot of kids in foster care have problems and stuff like that but that's the thing you got to try to prevent that you got to you got to while they're still young and stuff like that, you got to try to come and teach them and show them that you're going to love them and care for them. No, you know, absolutely. All, all children need to be nurtured. They need to be loved. They need to be taken care of. And just as a woman, you have you naturally have that nurturing instinct in you. Mm -hmm. And mm -hmm. I, I know that I could have, you know, like we talked about earlier, I could have been one of those kids in the system, you know, because of my mom. I could have been one of the kids in the system if it weren't for my dad and my dad's side of the family taking me in. So I've always felt, you know, I, I just, you know, absolutely. Yeah. I understand. <laughs> yeah. You can definitely relate to the situation at hand, mm -hmm. but, uh, you know, I think that's beautiful because, um, 
you know, it, it, it saves lives. It saves children, you know, and then it gives people, you know, an, an opportunity to be able to fulfill their needs and nurture, you know, n- nurture their nature. And, oh, I forgot to ask my dad's ex-girlfriend. And if it weren't for her, I don't know what I would have. I don't even know what okay. I would have been through. Well, shout out to Chanel. Shout out to you. I just wanted you know, to say shout out and to her And thanks for contributing quick. to her life, man, because <laughs> she's my, a star. That's my dad's ex-girlfriend. And he okay. was actually with her longer than anybody besides my mom. Okay. And so she's still in my life. So if it weren't for her, I don't know where I would be. So, um... You know, every show I do a show and tell piece. So I asked her to bring something in that was personal, that had sentimental value to her and, you know, to share the story behind it. So I'm going to let her share that with everybody. So I got this chain. It's, it's a picture of me and my mom and Eladio's cousin Carrie actually bought me uh, when my mom passed away in June. And uh, it's on the back of it. It says... It says my wings were ready, but my heart was not. And then it says her birthday and the day that she died. And it's I love this thing. I wear it all the time because it's literally like it's it's like it's I don't know, it's sentimental. It's nice. You know, when I when I have loved ones that pass away, I feel like they they live and they survive through me, you know, through their loved ones in general. Like for all of our loved ones who have passed away, I feel like we're still a representation of them on earth. Yeah. And they up there, you know, wherever they at, wherever God, wherever the creator got got our angels, they working. You know what I'm saying? And we gotta work down here and our people work wherever else they at. Mm-hmm. You know, so um And this thing, I don't know, I feel like um Okay, so I went through my uh, car uh, rooftop into my car and then back out. Like, it's crazy. It's like, that's, dope. that's the universe talking that's to me. Presence. My mom is Absolutely. still there with me. So, like, this thing means a lot to me. Like, it really does. Yo, that's dope. <laughs> it's the same thing for red cardinals, right? Yeah. Right, I, babe? Red cardinals. I got like a red a cardinal tattoo. Okay, then. I got this originally for my girl. Grandma Mary, because she loved red cardinals and she passed away and five years ago. She passed away five years ago. And I got it for her. This has been an episode of Real Everyday People, part of the El Nino Podcast. Check out the El Nino Podcast live on Facebook every Monday night at 9 p.m. Eastern. And for full episodes, the El Nino podcast is available on Facebook and YouTube.